Everybody knows I'm an extremist. If I decide to do something, there is only one way. That's why people want me to list their house that hasn't sold. Because they're like, well, my agent tried to sell it and didn't get it done. But I know Terrence is going to come in and do what he does, be an extreme person. So I'm managing that and keeping, like you said, keeping the working out in a box and just realizing that I'm not playing anymore. I'm not trying to be the fastest guy in Brian Collisation. That's why I've really kind of stayed away from CrossFit because I know if I get in that environment, I will be out there trying to, I don't want to come to the gym at Collisation CrossFit and, and somebody outmax me. It's not going to happen. Welcome back to the Building Better People podcast. This is your host, Charlie Lima. I've got my good friend, Terrence Murphy, on the podcast today. Terrence has a great story. You're going to love hearing it. I hope it motivates you and inspires you. Enjoy. So Terrence Murphy, um, originally uh, born and raised in East Texas, now here in Bryan College Station for about 10 years. Uh, my wife, my beautiful, amazing wife is Erica Murphy, and we have three amazing children, Taryn, Tatiana, and Terrence Murphy Jr. So, yeah, man, uh, what, what we're doing right now is building companies in, in Aggieland. TM5 Properties is the main one that people know about. But um, we're also um, branding other companies as they grow and um, excited about being on the podcast and 17 years of friendship. So, yeah, man, we go way back and, you know, you, you're a busy guy. So <laughs> to get you sitting right here, I know is like all the stars and the lunar eclipses <laughs> and the rainbow we saw last night, everything in place. Uh, no, man, thanks for coming yeah. on. And, and, you know, I think... Uh, you have an amazing story, and it's a it's a story of hard work. It's the underdog. It's the you know still not over, and has so many different um, life lessons to it. Yep. And I want to focus on today. You know, the whole title of the podcast is building better people, and we believe that if you're exercising, you're becoming a better version of you. And you've done that at so many levels, whether it was for sports. But now even with me working out two days a week. Um, so, so let's kind of start with kind of when you started working out. Like yeah. you've been an athlete for a really long time. So let's talk about when, when you started working out. It's so funny. People are seeing me. And when I tell them I'm working out two days a week, they, two days mm. a week, they don't believe me. They're like, there's yeah, no way. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I guess working out for me and my family, you know, having, you know, I have four or five older brothers. Um and you know all play sports and my oldest brother was a d1 athlete so just being around sports was like the norm for us in east texas and everybody knows if you're from east texas you have to play football they're just life and um so you know working out was like it, it, the big transition i learned it was back then it was about being the best athlete i could be and so when it came time to transition and do it for my health that was the big thing that you know, you, you're helping me learn and grow in and grow in that area. So, so when you say for as an athlete, I mean, give me a lot of us will never understand the pressure or, or even the expectation that's put on you to perform at the highest level. So, you know, workouts, was it more like a job for you than it was a passion or a hobby? I would say, I would say where my transition happened, uh, my whole life working out was like a passion. And I didn't never understand that it was a passion because it made me a better athlete. I always wanted to be the best of the best of the best. And obviously on a competitive scale, like 
multiple personality tests have, have told me I'm not even on the charts when it comes to competitiveness. So the first time that I realized I, I didn't really enjoy working out is when I retired. And I was like, you know, it's been six months and I've worked out one time. And, you know, when I first got back, remember, I started working out with you a couple of times. And, yep. and then I just kind of go in and out of spurts. And so what I learned is, you know, that transition on what working out really meant. And it wasn't until I got injured, you know, that I lost the passion for working out. So six months, one workout, was that because you were you were hurt and you couldn't? Or is that just because you were done? Like you just mentally, you needed a break. I think I needed a break. Um, most people that knew me in college and that know me today, everybody knows I'm intense. That's just who I am. If you know Terrence Murphy personally, you know he's intense, he's competitive, and he wants to be the best in everything. And there's been times in my life I felt like I needed to apologize for that. But now, you know, being 35, I've come, I've come to realize God made me this way. But the working out aspect is, you know, something I had to digest because it's just like anything else in life. You have to make that transition. And so when we were in college, I remember the coaches called me into the office and said, we need to meet. And I'm like, well, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but if it comes to sports and football and grades, I was never on the list. Because I remember there was times that we would sit, you know, have a long day of practice and then coach would have a list of names of people who are going to bear crawl and roll because they skipped class or whatever. I literally, when Coach Fran would do that my last two years, I would get up and walk off. I didn't even stay around to hear the names. I was like, this is a waste of time for me. I'm going to go catch balls on the jugs or get extra work in because I knew I wasn't on that list. So to, to, to lead to the next part of that story was they called me in an office and they said, we need to talk. Well, the reason they wanted to talk to me, they said I was overtraining. They said, you're working out way too much. And I didn't think that was possible. They're like, dude, you're working out at practice. You're working out in the weight room. You're staying after, and you're going to the rec at night. And that's just, that doesn't make sense for you physically. Well, you know, being 19, 20, 21, you just keep doing it. I'm like, no, I want to be the best. And so looking back at it now, it's probably been one of the most important uh, lessons I learned in life that you have to rest. Um, but now, you know, once you retire, that's when I learned that, okay, I'm not as passionate about lifting weights as I thought I was. And I think that honestly was tied to me and my injury with the Packers. I think that's what kind of. So that the, the overtraining and just the, you know, just dedication in the gym and the weight room was, was that, you know, kind of like you said, you have a desire to be the best. And to yeah. you, that equated to more, more, more. Mm-hmm. So the more that I do, the better I'll be on the field. Would you say that that worked out for you? I mean, you obviously had a great career. <laughs> <laughs> so is that true for these guys as, as, as college athletes? Do you think if they train that much or, you know, how do you balance that with rest? Because now you're, you're 35, you know, you got yeah. a family, you're a business owner, um, if you could go back and coach Terrence Murphy at 19, 20, 21 in, in the gym, what would you tell him? You know, I probably would tell him don't change anything, to be truthfully honest. Um, I think it's so many times now, especially with the millennials, and we're millennials, but we're on the tail end. Um, I always tell people we're kind of like <laughs> barely not, but maybe. <laughs> yeah, we barely squeaked in there. Yeah. But everybody just wants to do the bare minimum. And I think for me, that's just not who I am. And I'm competitive. I'm going to outwork anybody that, like, I, my, my goal was to be the hardest working, 
player ever in the Texas A&M history. I might not have achieved every goal I wanted, but I guarantee you, because people come up to me all the time and say, you were one of the greatest players at A&M, and my records are being broken now, they're throwing the ball, whatever. I can guarantee you I'm a top 10 hardest working player ever to put on maroon. And that balance isn't there when, you know, and what I've learned from people like Kobe Bryant, just hearing him speak and LeBron James and people like that. And I'm not Kobe or LeBron by far is that there's a fanatical mindset that comes along with greatness. And it's hard to realize what that looks like unless you are a fanatical person in your pursuit of life, whether it's an entrepreneurship or uh, as an athlete or starting a business. And so what I realized looking back, that's why I said if I could coach Terrence Murphy at 19, I would tell him to keep doing what he's doing because that is what, you know, I came in as a two-star recruit recruit who never played wide receiver, never, never caught a ball. And I left with every record in the record books and being a first, second-round draft, well, in the first two rounds of the draft when no one ever expected for me to achieve that coming from where I started. You know, even going into my senior year on my football team at Chapel Hill, we were one in 19. So my sophomore year, we went 0 and 10. My junior year, we went one and nine. So going into my senior year, we were one in 19. And I'm still walking around telling people, I'm going to go D1 and I'm going to be a great player one day. And they're like, dude, we won one football game. (laughs) So, you know, what I think when you say that is, I think, mindset. Yeah. Like there are people that have a mindset that is very powerful but it, you can't always identify for where, from outsider's perspective, where does that come from? So do you, have you, have you ever thought that out? Like, you know, at high school or, you know, maybe it started as a kid and, you know, went on to college and where, where did you get that mindset that even at 0 and 19 or 1 and 10, you still believed that you were going to go and, and go beyond? I would say um, it was shaped <clears throat> from God, you know, and that's so cliche, but, there's been so many times that, you know, I didn't have someone to lean on and talk to this stuff about, but I'm still walking around in my own mind thinking it's possible. So I would just pray and, you know, ask for those small signs, you know, um, and he would put those breadcrumbs in place to keep you going. And that's the thing I want to encourage people. Like when you have a dream in your heart, there's going to be people that are haters. There's going to be dream killers. But if you really want something, like, what what good is our life if we don't have hope? And that's why, you know, God, Jesus says he comes to give us hope. Like, what good are we if we're just like, oh, well, I'm just living life? Like, for me, if I'm going to do something, I want to be great at it. And I think at times when I was telling people that I was going to go D1, and really, honestly, I can say no one thought that was possible. Um. I think the biggest thing that I learned is if I just keep fighting, keep pushing, and if it's in God's will, it's going to happen. And and if it's not, then I can look back at that part of my life and say it wasn't in the plans. And that's how I feel about my NFL career. So that is what the fire that came from me, I feel like, was only inserted in me by God and in my circumstances. You know, growing up in East Texas with a single mom at one point in a tough neighborhood, um, a lot of times people don't know that because I don't walk around parading around like, oh, man, I'm from one of the toughest neighborhoods in East Texas. And so I think um, understanding that part of my story is what produced that fire in me because I knew there was much more to life 
there was much more opportunity. And I knew that at the end of the day, with faith and hard work, anything was possible. And do you feel like right now in your business, do you kind of tell your employees that? Is that kind of what you encourage them to do is believe that they can do more than they probably think they can? Yes. Um, I think, you know, TM5 properties, literally, I was in my mother-in-law's room. My wife and I just, Eric and I just got married in the Virgin Islands, and I literally didn't know what I was going to do with my life. Halfway depressed, and I'm like, okay. And I got that vision at TM5, and I wrote it on a napkin. And from that point to see where it's at today is truly faith, hard work. But then there's a lot of grit that it took, you know. Uh, I know there's a book out called Grit, but it's easy to read about it. Anybody can throw grit out there. Anybody can just say, grit, read the book and talk about it. But who truly has grit? Like you, like when you get hit in the face with life, like I did, getting paralyzed literally from the neck down, like that will challenge your grit and challenge your faith. So at TM5, I lead with that mindset. I lead, everybody knows, I lead with a big vision. And if me, if we tell people it's a part of our core values. If evolving isn't in your forte, like if you don't want to grow and be better, TM5 Properties will not be the place for you because all of my agents grind, work hard, and we're continually growing. Even my top producers that are doing 20, 30 million a year are still reading books. They're still listening to podcasts. They're still going to designations and getting like, you know, designations to be better because building better people exactly <laughs> so yeah we don't we don't accept anything less and we just you know we just parted ways with a couple people and i think it was because the atmosphere and the you know because a lot of times people want a lot they want to be a part of something but when that accountability comes and they realize they have to actually put put back in the bucket then they don't want to do that they just kind of want to be along for the ride and yeah and so you obviously did that with working out in college you know just hearing you talk right now for five minutes i can tell man and i saw it you know you were like you said top of all the leaderboards when you went to the nfl where your workouts did you go did you go up a notch did you consistently do the same thing what did your workouts look like at that level you know the biggest thing i realized first off when i got to take a&m is just it's not even about talent anymore like it really wasn't I remember us getting our freshman ID cards to go into the rec center and everybody on our recruiting class, defensive line, offensive line, punters, kickers were dunking the basketball. Now take it that I was, I had the highest vertical in the history of A&M at 44 inches, but I was even impressed that this 300 pound dude could jump off the ground and dunk the basketball. So then that's when it like clicked to me that the only way I'm going to become the best player in this recruiting class or in the history of A&M, it's not going to be on talent. It's going to be on paying attention to detail and outworking people. And so when I got to Green Bay, that was the next thing, you know, really training for the draft. I knew I could make my mark in the NFL combine because you got the 40, you got the bench press, you got the vertical, you got all these different things. And that's when I realized, like, and that was the first time that I realized, like, working out was a true job. Because before, it was just something I wanted to do to be great. But then when I started training on my own, no one told me to get up and go train. And that's where I saw a lot of the great athletes in college fall off. Because they were great athletes and had great careers, but now you're managing yourself, which most people are doing on a daily basis. And I saw a big 
decrease in what they were doing to, to, to work out and get in shape. So did you ever have trainers? Did you have people that kind of helped you to make sure you were doing things in a certain way, specifically for the position you were playing for the, you know, for the sport? Yeah, I, that was the biggest thing that I was intrigued about is all the, the different um, strategies that you can use to make yourself in like peak, peak shape. You know, and then, like for me, I always I always tell people to me, honestly, the NFL was easier than college. College is a like we get ran in the ground in college. I mean, we literally get up at 5 a.m. and we don't get back to our dorm room until 1030. And so and that is trying to travel and study at the same time. I mean, come on, it's, it's, it's tough. So when it became just only football, I was like, this is easy. Hmm. All I do is eat well, work out and go to practice. So, yeah, I think that that part I loved, but just understanding that, you know, you're being paid, like we weigh in every day. It was just a different level of expectations. And in the NFL, they don't waste time. They'll cut you, you know, or you'll like literally your cell phone goes off in a team meeting, $10,000 fine. They don't even argue with you about it. They just send you put a slip and, hey, 10 grand. Your socks aren't in the right place on the game, $15,000. So, that's how they get your attention there. And that is a different level of expectation. So, so they, you know, the, the working out at that level was a job. Yeah. And then you, you're back home, you, you're done with the NFL, you go six months without working out. And then how long did you go before you started working out after that? Because I do remember we got a couple workouts at the dome back in like 2006, <laughs> but did you work out at all for, I mean, more than, I mean, what was it just like? What motivated you to get in the gym if you did? Dude, I did not want to go in the gym, man. Um, one, because everybody knew who I was. So everybody wanted to ask me, how are you doing? You know, are you going to go play again? And I just wasn't interested in talking about football at that season of my life. Um, but then from that point, every time I would go to the gym, it reminded me of playing football. So I just wasn't really interested. And I was tired. I was exhausted. I ran my body through the ringer. Um, like I told you when we were working out earlier, I think I, I was at like 215 pounds, but 2% body fat. And so for me, that's like, like, that's like, man, that's on borderline. Like you're going to cramp up every time you run a hundred yards. So, um, but yeah, that transition was really when it got my attention is when I started getting out of shape cardiovascular wise. And I realized, Hey man, I want to be here and walk my girls down the aisle. So my children and my wife are the only reason I'm working out. Like to be healthy for them, and Erica is super healthy. Super healthy. You know, Erica was a trainer yep. for for a while, and you know super she works fit. out and eats healthy. And so, you know, for you, you you transition kind of into like not I don't want to say unhealthy because it wasn't like you ever just let yourself go. No, but you did not put a huge emphasis on eating healthy or working out. No. What about you know how about how did Erica influence you? How did you guys balance that? Was she kind of pushy was she very much laid back how's that dynamic been over the last 10 years I think she's always done everything in love you know and if you know Erica if anybody knows Erica Murphy she's a she's just uh, probably truly the happiest human being I've ever met um and just so like filled with joy and in love and so she did it in love and she would encourage me honey you got to stop eating this stuff hey you need to stop eating whole bag of Cheetos and <laughs> <laughs> you need to stop eating McDonald's. And for me giving up McDonald's, I'm like, no, I'm doing that. 
But, dude, I went like four years without not eating McDonald's. And, and then one day I called her. I said, I got to I have to go get some McDonald's. <laughs> and I did. My stomach, I, it was, I said, never again. So, yeah, she really helped me with that. And then it was just like, just like anything in my life, if you show me value, I'm all about it. If I don't see value in something, I will not give it any energy. And when she said, hey, she always tells me, I'm not going to be a single mom raising these kids. You better get your butt in shape. So that's what really whipped me into shape. And honestly, it started with, you know, having my neck surgery in 2015, trying to come up with some things. You saw me in the gym doing some UFC boxing stuff, just trying to get my neck moving again. And then we got together. And then I go, you know, do some workouts with her, just like boot camp stuff, just to be around her. So really it's to be healthy for my kids and grandkids one day and my wife to keep my neck moving and you know so it doesn't just completely stiffen up um and then to spend time with with her and how do you at this point kind of tame the beast inside of you because you know it's like the personality that you have yeah but i feel like even in the gym you have this really healthy perspective on working out yeah because let's be honest i mean we see it in the crossfit gym all the time like people are Tra- like training like if they're going to go to the CrossFit games. Yeah. But really they're not because, you know, it's like going to the NFL. What's the percentage of high school football players that actually make it? Yeah. But then people train like if they're going to the NFL. But I feel like even for you, you have a really healthy perspective. Does that – is that your discipline? Is that you just not wanting to get hurt? Is that – um, you know, you almost put – work. you almost really keep help working out in this – kind of really healthy compartment, you know, like I'm not going to let this thing get excessive. I'm not going to do it to the point of risking injury. Yeah. I'm going to do it cause I want to be healthy for my kids, for my wife, for my family, you know, walk my girls down the aisle. And that took me some time. You know, I think that just had to happen with maturity over the years. Um, because when I would go in, that was my biggest mistake. I would sit around for three months, and then I would go say, I'm going to start working out, and I'd go in and slap 400 pounds on the bench. You can't come, you can't jump off the couch and, and be in there trying to rip out 400. Well, when I was playing, I was doing 385, three, four times, you know, squatting 500, benching 400, whatever. But when you've been sitting on the couch eating bum bums, you can't just <laughs> go from couch to crazy NFL guy. And so that's where I, I would end up injuring myself or – be sore as heck and I'm like man this is not what it's about so I had to put it in a place and that's where you really helped me to manage that part of my personality because everybody knows I'm an extremist if I decide to do something there is only one way that's why people want me to list their house that hasn't sold because they're like well my agent tried to sell it and didn't get it done but I know Terrence is going to come in and do what he does be an extreme person so I'm managing that and keeping, like you said, keeping the working out in a box and just realizing that I'm not playing anymore. I'm not trying to be the fastest guy in Brian College Station. That's why I really kind of stayed away from CrossFit because I know if I get in that environment, I will be out there trying to – I don't want to come to the gym at College Station CrossFit and, and somebody outmax me. It's not going to happen. <laughs> but – yeah. In order for me to be that crazy man, I'm going to have to be more involved. So I've tried and, to balance. And that to me is, you know, it's boundaries. It's yeah. healthy boundaries that, you know, when you know yourself, you know, you do things to protect you from you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we probably need that in the gym. Yeah. Um, there's a guy that 
uh, I know, and, and he runs a CrossFit gym, and he's 41 years old, and he's, he says, I will not snatch over 135 pounds. I will not deadlift over 275 pounds. This guy's probably 160 pounds, you yeah. know. Um, and he's done, I mean, he's been, he competed at the CrossFit Games, you know, eight, nine years ago, but he set those boundaries because let's be honest, what happens is everybody's lifting, feeling good. Then he's 315. I'll put some more weight, 335 crack, you know, and now he's done. And so, but what you're, what you're saying, I think it's great. You know, even within that personality that you have, you've learned how to put some healthy boundaries on yourself. Well, cause then you realize it's about more than you. Yeah. You know, that's been the biggest thing that I've learned through marriage is um, like truly dying to yourself and sacrifice. And then having three children, that's truly dying to you. So just really understanding that it's about more than me now, you know. And then just obviously with TM5 and our company here, my agents depend on me. My clients are depending on me, my kids, my church, my community. So there's a lot of people depending on me here. And if I'm getting injured every other week and I'm laid up, I'm not being a good steward of my time for them. So that's been the biggest adjustment because I'll get crazy, you know, and so I have to manage that for sure. What does it mean to you to be a good steward of your body? What does that look like? So being a good steward of my body, um, that was always one of my strong points. You know, we all have weak spots and we all nobody, you know, none of us are perfect. We all fall short of the glory of Christ. But, you know, I went all the way through high school, college, and I didn't drink one drop. Like that just, I didn't do it. I saw what it did to family members growing up. I didn't smoke anything. Um, I didn't stay up a lot. I go to sleep. Like I don't stay up till 5 a.m. and all that crazy stuff in college. And that was hard to do when you're on a football team. Um, So that's been something that has naturally progressed into my life now as a married man, entrepreneur, and a dad. you know, we probably have a couple of drinks a couple of times a year at best. Um, obviously not smoking anything or anything like that. So the the biggest thing that I have, the issue that Eric and I have identified is at one point I wasn't eating. Like I just would literally it'd be two o'clock and I'm eating a banana or something. And that's where I know all these things, being an athlete and having a nutritionist and just getting that discipline back in place. So like you said, get up and cook your four eggs every morning like you have me doing. And Erica's got me taking my, you know, you know, vitamin, vitamin drinks. And you saw I walked in. with Yeah. (laughs) Usually a snack for me would have been like something from the gas station, donuts or something. But I come in with orange slices and a boiled egg. I mean, come on. I knew we were recording a podcast. You you (laughs) want to make sure we could point that out on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it was one of those deals where. And, you know, protein bars, I'm eating that kind of stuff as snacks. So it's been an adjustment because for me, dude, I, I mean, I'm not a big, I'm not a foodie, but I love eating chips and burgers and stuff like that. So, you know, and I think the, the thing to point out, anybody listening to, but even for us, you know, we're 35, 36, I'm 36, you're 35. We haven't even faced the, the challenging years, you know, no. it, we're still young and, you know, it's the next 20 to 30 years. And if you start adding up all those, like you said, donuts and McDonald's and fast food over the next 20, 30 years, adds up. it does. And so, you know, you're talking about nutrition, really, which I think yeah. is huge. Well, and that was the biggest thing that for me, that Erica and I have really, if you look at, I think it's almost eight out of 10 um, 
diseases or issues that come up, it's with nutrition. Mm -hmm. And so I even would see it with guys on the team. They would work their butts off. They would literally starve themselves. But with the one or two meals they ate that day were terrible. So, and I think a lot of times, well, I'm not consuming as much. But, yeah, but when you do consume, it's it's terrible. Yeah. And so that's where I'm trying to manage that season of my life, you know, because when I go to a restaurant, I'm eating pasta and just – so that's just something that you got to stay on top of. But, yeah, it's nutrition. Nutrition is the big factor. And so are you at a point now where you actually like working out or does it still feel like a chore or this thing that you kind of kind of have to do? But where are you at on that mentally? I think there's a transition. I'm still in the middle of it. Um, you know, another thing that's really probably changed me in the last two years is having my son. Um He's an, an athletic animal. I mean, it just it is what it is. And originally I even said, I don't know if I want to name him Terrence Murphy and then him grow up in this town and the football and the, hey, well, he's five years old. Shouldn't he already be dunking? You know. <laughs> but, yeah, I think the biggest thing I realize is he's going to be 15 soon and he's going to want to push me under the backboard and dunk on me and I'm not going down easy. <laughs> so if I don't manage it now, it's going to be tough to turn it around down the road. So I'm just trying to maintain. So There's a little I, motivation <laughs> mentally right now. It's like 15 or 13 years from now, you better be ready. I'm just trying to maintain because I know, I know. Already he's running down the hallway trying to tackle me and he wants to shoot, the, you know, basketball. So I know that's coming. And I, you know, so I want to be. I and he just maintain. turned two yesterday. Just right? turned two yesterday. Yeah. I'm already trying to so get you, in front you of him. So you probably can handle him right now. Barely. <laughs> That little guy, he's a, he's a full-time job. But, yeah, so, yeah, and I want to, you know, I want to be able to put my cliques on one day. And when he says, Dad, let's go run some routes, I want to run routes. I honestly, still to this day, people ask me to play flag football or whatever. I will not run a route for anybody. You know, and I train with, you know, the A&M receivers in the summer. I go out and I spend time with them just teaching them what I know. I've been doing it for like the last four or five years. But I will not run the route. Like, I'll teach him and I'll show it, but I won't do it. But I want to run routes with him. He'll be the first time that I actually put the cliques on and go run routes. That's mm -hmm. my, my goal or dream. So And, and that's vision, you know, yeah. right now that motivates you. So um, one of the last questions I always ask people on the podcast is, how does exercise, working out, being healthy make Terrence Murphy a better version of himself? I would say working out, it's – the one thing I like doing is studying statistics and facts. And it is fairly clear in many, many re reports and research that, you know, obviously testosterone levels are up, adrenaline levels are up. Um, you feel vibrant when you sweat out those, ba those bad endorphins. You feel accomplished. I can go on and on and on about what working out does for people. Now, how you work out, you got to figure that out. But just getting that sweat – and then, obviously, the cardiovascular benefit, the bone benefit, the muscle benefit. I mean, literally, we can keep going. Um, and all those things amount to you being a better person in the long run. And so, for me, I just know that I'm investing into the pot, that the body, the only body that God has given me, that down the road I'll see the results. Because that's why I was able to walk around for 10 years and do nothing. Because of all the training and everything that I had, I had invested into that bucket. So I was able to walk around and be a lazy bum for all those years. But I did notice a big increase in my energy and my mindset. Um, 
also, you know, just not, you know, not feeling a weight on your shoulders because you're sweating and you're getting that stuff out of your system. And so it's just, that's just chemically the way we're wired. And so that along with obviously, you know, just the energy and stuff. So, And, and that's a great perspective because I think a lot of times people don't realize that there's so many so many physical benefits. I mean, you can Google it yeah. <laughs> and you're going to see a laundry list of things that your body is going to yeah. love you working out for. Um, so you have a very unique story. And I think, you know, I I'll always remember the day that you were sharing with me that you were praying that God would give you a passion, right? You were in a state of just complete, you lost your, your ability to do what you love to do. Mm -hmm. And I think there's sometimes there's might be somebody listening, you know, that yeah. maybe they're injured. You know, I mean, people get hurt. You know, we had mm -hmm. a we have a guy that, you know, hurt his knee skiing. And, man, he's been grinding in the gym, just doing what he can to get back. Um, but I know uh, we have another guy who got hurt three or four years ago that couldn't work out, elbow injury. When these athletes and these people that, you know, are doing it recreationally, but to them, man, it's everything. Yeah, so you, you might as well say they lost their ability to do their passion. Mm -hmm. Because you've been there, um, you've, you've lived it, you're living it, what can you tell that person to, to kind of lift them up? Or how do they get through that season when it feels like they can't do the thing that they absolutely love to do? Yeah, I think this is universal for working out and for people who may be changing careers or going through a divorce or just having a difference in a relationship, whatever it is. Um, it's a trying time for us all because we wonder how and why and what I just would encourage them to be patient because a lot of times we get antsy and we like, Hey God, I need an answer now. And his time and our time and don't always line up. The other thing I would encourage them to do is just reevaluate why they're mad or discouraged about it. Is it that they were putting working out, in front of things that it shouldn't be put in front of. So just really evaluating their priorities. And that was the reason why I had to literally take working out and being a pro football player and put it at the end of the line. Now, it took a long way to get it back up towards the front, but maybe that's the reason. I don't know, but I will say when things are removed from your life, it's so cliche, but I remember people used to tell me, man, God's got a better plan for you. And me being a Christian and being a believer – it was hard for me to hear that and just accepting that and saying, okay, right now I'm in a season and how can I come out of it? And I think it's really started with just looking at my mindset and looking in the mirror and saying, what is this all about? Like, is my identity tied into me being a Green Bay Packer wide receiver or is it tied into Christ or is it tied into being, what, what is it tied into? So if they're only tying their identity into being a CrossFit athlete, then it's inevitable that they're going to be let down. And so I just would encourage those people to go back and look at your priorities, be patient, and then figure out who and what your identity is in. Thank you for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe to the Building Better People podcast where you will hear more stories of individuals being positively impacted by living a healthy lifestyle.